Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. We continue our series on passion, and this is going to be about a four or five week series. And over the last couple of weeks, I've tried to explain or define what passion is and, the, and demonstrate that we all need passion in our life. Without passion, life becomes kind of mundane and, and ordinary and, and blasé. We need passion in our life. Amen? Amen. And uh, if you happen to miss the first couple of weeks, I encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast. Um, but having passion is vitally important. Without passion, life becomes ordinary. Passion is that emotion that stirs within us when we truly believe in something. When all of a sudden there's something that hits us, we believe in it so much, there's passion that wells up inside of us. Sometimes passion will bring you to tears. Sometimes passion will bring anger in you. I mean, sometimes, even, and there is a righteous anger. We know that Jesus had a righteous anger when he went into the temple and he saw that they had turned the, his, the, the, God's temple, a house of prayer, into basically a supermarket and, and a, a place that was money, with money exchanges. And there was a righteous anger because he was passionate about the things of God. Today I want to answer three questions regarding passion. I want to answer it from a biblical perspective, of course. That's If you know Pastor Tom, that's how I always will do. But why do I want to answer these questions? Because passion out of control, passion pointed in the wrong direction, or passion that that is absent can either hinder us or destroy our lives. Passion is an important piece in our life. The first question that I pose to you today is this. And for some of you, this will be helpful. How do I control my passion? Anybody ever have problems controlling passion? Passion out of control can harm, can do a lot of harm to people. Think about the crazy things that we've actually just seen in America over the last year or two about passion and the craziness that it stirs up in people's hearts. We live in a very volatile world, a world that is emotionally charged, a world that is unstable when it comes to race and politics and religion and vaccine mandates and climate change and cancel culture and health care and immigration and socialism versus capitalism and abortion and censorship. One of those things I just said, probably at some point recently, you were emotionally charged by one of those comments. That you were like, whoa, and boy, it just welled up inside of you and it might have even brought you to tears or might have brought you to the place, man, I'm ready to fight and Passion. Passion. It's like a spark plug in an engine. I know there's not spark plugs in engines. Just go with me, okay? I'm old school. I'm grandpa. You get grandpa illustrations. The fuel in an engine explodes when all of a sudden spark, the spark hits that fuel that's just ready to explode. That's kind of what passion does. Every day we have people exploding with passion that can be harmful towards others. In the Bible, we see it. The very, very, very beginning, Cain, guess what? He killed his brother Abel because of jealousy. David, we just talked about this last week. David killed Uriah because of, 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 of the lust of another woman. Moses murdered an Egyptian because of his rage against injustice. The religious people killed Jesus because of their hate towards him. 
These are examples of emotionally charged passions that exploded into terrible actions. Hopefully you haven't killed anyone lately. Okay, so if you have, come talk to me and we'll, we'll try to work that thing out. But hopefully you haven't. But maybe you yelled hurtful things because of passion. Maybe you said things that tore someone den- down because of passion. Maybe you chased someone down when you got angry. Maybe you actually physically hit someone out of passion. Uncontrolled passion can lead us towards harmful actions. I was thinking in the news, we've been watching this whole scenario with this young lady named Gabby who they just found her body last week. And and I think all of us, our hearts go out to this beautiful young lady all of a sudden. How did this happen? How does someone all of a sudden just lose their life? It's so, so much nonsense. And I will guarantee you that passion was involved in that situation. 100%. So how do we control our passions? I want to take a lesson from the character of God. I think that's a good place to look the character of God. And I want you to look at a famous verse that's found in Exodus chapter 34, verse 5. This takes place on Mount Sinai when all of a sudden the presence of God passes before Moses as he's being given the Ten Commandments. And listen to this scripture, and it's God's declaration of himself about his own character. It says, Yahweh, the Lord, The God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. Excuse me. The Hebrew word there, rakum, is defined as compassionate and merciful. It reminds me of this truth that passion without compassion is very dangerous. If you just have passion with no compassion, guess what? You will walk over people. You will destroy people's lives. We need compassion in our lives. Because passion without a focus on others leads towards selfishness. And compassion is that emotion that brings, catch this, compassion is that emotion that brings our, our passion outward. Outward focus onto other people's lives. I share this, that God is compassionate. It doesn't mean that God isn't just. If you read the following couple of verses, you'll understand that God is just. But he's slow to anger. He's patient, waiting for us to turn in the right direction. He's slow to anger. And we need to take a lesson from God and say, you know, we can be just and we can be passionate about right, righteous things, but let's be slow to anger. Let's be patient. Let's allow God to work out those things that maybe we cannot work out for ourselves. So I believe one of the keys to gaining control over our passion is to think of others first. Instead of, instead of putting ourselves always first, let's think of others first. Put yourselves in the shoes of others before you pass judgment. What do they might be going through that you have no clue or no understanding about? Maybe it'll slow down our passion in a good way. Paul writes these words in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 4. He says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of, your, of others as better than yourselves. When was the last time that you thought of someone else better than yourselves? Don't look only out for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Wouldn't, we be, wouldn't our world be a much better place if we were willing to put this scripture into practice? Where we put others first? Where passion would be less self-focused and more outward focused? Yeah. 
You might be sitting here today and say, man, Pastor Tom, that's a great scripture. But I really struggle in doing that. I really struggle with putting other people's first. I have a tendency, Pastor Tom, I just have a tendency to put myself first in a lot of different areas of my life. I try to put others first, but then self takes over. Anybody there? You try to do, and all of a sudden self just starts to take over. And you end up hurting someone else just because. Guess what? Your struggle is real. Everybody struggles. We all struggle in that area. It's a struggle that the Apostle Paul addresses 2,000 years ago. Listen to Paul's words in Galatians 5.16. He says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. You know, sometimes we, we, we do so well, but we're working in our own spirit, in our own flesh. And we're trying to do it, and we're walking through it, and, and, and God kind of taps us on the shoulder and says, hey, you're doing great, you're doing, keep going. But then all of a sudden we just close out God, we don't let the Holy Spirit lead us, we, we, oh, we just make this right hand turn, we're going to do it in our flesh. And there's something in us, and I, for me, I imagine it as a switch that I can turn on and off, where all of a sudden I can just turn on, all of a sudden I just flip the switch on, and I say, you know what, I'm going to let the Holy Spirit guide my life. I, I, I try to make life simple, not difficult. And I try to make, you know, I'm going to turn my flesh off right now. And sometimes that's hard to do. But not when you embrace the power of God's spirit in your life. He empowers us to take over this, this, this carnal flesh that wants to lead us in the wrong direction. Let the Holy Spirit guide your life. My challenge today is let's embrace Jesus and let's follow his spirit. The second question that I want to answer today is this. How do I restore my passion? And we kind of talked about this last week a little bit, but I really felt like I needed to bring some more practical solutions into our lives. If you've lost passion in your life, if you just feel like, man, I'm just missing something, how do I restore that passion? Well, let me share some thoughts with you today. Boy, I don't know if you, how many were at worship night? I know there wasn't a whole lot of us, but worship night last Last Sunday night's worship night was one of the best we've ever had. Hands down. It was powerful. Man, it was moving, and I, I, believe, I don't believe anybody that was here last Sunday was, wasn't moved by the power of God. The theme was allowing God to restore our soul. Brett shared the need, and we actually walked through this, where we actually wrote down some things that we could remove from our lives. And we took, we took time just in, with the music playing to think about things that may be good and bad, but things that we don't need and we need to take them out of our lives so that we could have spend more time in God's presence. Sometimes life becomes so cluttered with things that we have no time for the presence of God. Today, in a similar fashion, I want to give you a few thoughts that can help you restore your passion. The first thing is balance your schedule. These are practical things, guys. Balance your schedule. It's hard to have passion when you're constantly exhausted. We live in a world where we think fulfillment is found in the more we do. We think the more we do, that's when we're going to find fulfillment. And we watch social media and we see what everybody is, is doing and we feel like, we feel compelled to try to keep up. Anybody been there? You know, you see, you know, and you're going to be successful if you just watch one person on social media. You're probably going to be able to keep up. The problem with our lives is that we're watching hundreds of people on social media and it is impossible to keep up. Have you ever thought about that? We, we just think how fast we 
You know what I mean? I mean, sometimes, I don't know if any of you guys have ever done it, you've liked something, you didn't really understood what you liked. <laughs> you didn't know there was a second, third, fourth, fifth picture. You didn't read, read the comment all the way to the bottom. You, you know, there's more, and you didn't press more. You just read the first, oh, that's like good, but like. And you all of a sudden, somebody, why do you like that? You, we just are going so fast. And we're following hundreds of people. And all of a sudden, we become discouraged because we're trying to find fulfillment. We're trying to find fulfillment through the lives of others. And so we're trying to keep up by doing more things. And all of a sudden, we find ourselves exhausted, tired, and we wonder why we don't have any passion. We get to a place where we don't like people, we don't like God, we don't like anything because we're exhausted. Come on, have you been there? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Can I remind you of a really simple truth? God created for six days and then he rested. God rested. God, who are you to think that you don't need a rest if God rested? How arrogant you are. I'm preaching. I'm stepping on toes. We all need rest. If you want to restore passion in your life, then guess what? Balance your life with some rest and you'll see passion start to return. The second thing to rekindle passion is to pursue your talents. I don't know why, but some people have a tendency to bury their talents. Maybe it's possibly from the fear of rejection. You know, those things that you're really, really passionate about, those are the things that you really don't want to be rejected about. And so you have a tendency maybe just to bury those things. And we're not called to bury our talents. Not using the talents that God created in you will leave you void of fulfillment that God designed for you. Think about that thought just for a moment. Let's just rest in this thought. God created you. Everybody believe that? He created you with your talents. He gave you talents. Why would he give you talents? Because, first of all, he knows he could, you could use those talents to serve others. He also knows that you're going to find fulfillment in those talents. Why would we bury the things that God has given us to find fulfillment? We need to use those talents. And I'm not saying you're going to be the best. I've, I've learned this principle. I'm not the best at everything. I'm not the, and even my greatest talents, there's always someone that's better than me. At least that's, my, that's what I found out. But it doesn't mean that I shouldn't use my talent. Because when I'm using my talent, guess what? I will find fulfillment. Remember, when we all of a sudden pursue talent, it creates a passion in us. And that passion can be the difference between ordinary and extraordinary. Many times, the, the best person in a certain field is not the most talented. It's the most passionate. It's the one that puts the time and the effort in it because they're passionate about what they do. Peter writes this in 1 Peter 4.10. He says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to do what? To serve others. There's something powerful when all of a sudden we use our talents for others. There's a fulfillment that comes into our lives. It's life-changing. Another thought to restore passion is to work for peace. Resolve conflict that you have with God or that you have with others. Some of you like to live in conflict. Stop it. Don't live in there. Get rid of conflict. You don't have to live in conflict. Doesn't mean that you doesn't mean that you're going to get along with everybody, but you don't have to choose to live in conflict. Both sin and conflict will rob you of passion. It will drain you of passion. 
Have you ever been in conflict with someone where all of a sudden you said something and they got offended or someone else said something and they got offended and all of a sudden you're living in this conflict and, and you can feel this unrest in you and it just remains and you're living in this unresolved conflict? You know what solves that issue? We're going to say it together. One big word. Forgiveness. Can you say it? Forgiveness. It's choosing to forgive. Even if the other person doesn't choose to forgive, you can choose to forgive and move forward. It's your choice. You don't have to depend on someone. Just, man, you make the choice and truly mean it in your heart to forgive and move forward. We need to seek forgiveness from God and from people if we really want to find passion in our lives. Because we can't live with unrest. Don't allow conflict of sin or the, or the conflict of just unrest to rob you of your passion. Jesus said this word, these words in Matthew 5, 9. says, God blesses those who work for peace. Have you ever thought about working for peace? That's kind of an interesting thought. He blesses those who work for peace. For they will be called children of God. Another way you can restore your passion is build relationships with positive people. It's hard to have passion when you're hanging out with a, a bunch of negative people. I mean, it just really is. It's difficult. Negative, negativity is a passion killer. You know, you've probably heard the saying, it's hard to soar like an eagle when you're hanging around with a bunch of turkeys. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's just difficult. And I'm not trying to, that, boy, Pastor Tom said we're all turkey. No, 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 don't take that. And <laughs> Who do you surround yourself with? Who are your, who's your network? Who's your friends? Are they tearing you down or building you up? If you're in a network where everybody's tearing you down, guess what? You're going to be robbed of passion in your life. But if, you, if you're in a network of people who are encouraging you, who are lifting you up, guess what? You're going to find new passion in your life. You need that support. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 24 says, let, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Man, there's something powerful when we know that we're working together as a team. We're working together as we come together to serve maybe on work day next Saturday. We come together and we're working and there's something that's stirring in us. Hey, this maybe coming up soon, coming up very soon. We're going to help a church plant down in Los Angeles. And I'm going to ask for you guys, hey, let's go down and help and let's serve. Let's be a part. And there's something powerful when we as a church come together and use our talents for a purpose. But we need to motivate one another. We need to encourage one another. Proverbs states these words. It says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. We need the friends in our lives. We need people in our life who will help us, who will encourage us, who will be truthful with us. And remember, this is a two-way street. Don't be that person that needs encouragement all the time and never gives encouragement. Don't be that negative person, I got to surround myself with a bunch of friends because I just struggle and I need you to keep encouraging me because I struggle. Guess what? You're going to find yourself alone. The Bible has a really good principle. It talks about you're going to reap what you sow. Say it. You're going to reap what you sow. If you sow encouragement, you're going to reap encouragement. 
But if you continue to sow negativism, if you consider, consider, continue to sow things that are, that are filled with doubt and criticism, you're going to reap those things in your life as well. If you want more love in your life, then sow love. If you, want, if you want to get out of poverty, then learn how to give. I'm telling you, I've been doing it for years. What, what you sow, you're going to reap. If you want encouragement, give encouragement. The last thought that I want to share in this section about restoring our passion is to take time to worship. If you don't spend time feeding your soul... You will find yourself spiritually malnourished and completely without passion. I've met people who have told me, they, they come up to me and says, I don't know why, but for some reason I, see, I, I feel so discouraged. I feel, Pastor Tom, I feel so empty in my life. I just feel discouraged and empty. I don't know why that's taking place. Can't figure it out. And the diagnosis is really pretty simple if you really think about it they're spiritually starving themselves if you feel empty physically why would that be it's because you're not eating enough food my 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 daughter has this new dog named Ryder, and he's a red retriever and i just saw him a couple weeks ago when i was in seattle and i went into their apartment and i Looked at this dog and I could see his backbone. I said, you got to feed this dog some more food. He's starving. He was pretty healthy, but I was making it a lot of fun. What do you guys, do you guys feed this dog? He was just, you know. Some of us walk around like a scrawny little dog spiritually. We never take anything in spiritually. We just kind of think we're going to walk through life and, and just, and, and we wonder why we feel empty and discouraged. It's because we're spiritually starving ourselves. The reason you feel empty is because you're spiritually starving yourself from the very purpose for which God created you to be. You were created to worship God. You were created to be in his presence. Have you ever thought about that? That's why you were created. You were created for this one main purpose. It was to worship the Lord. Was to bring him glory. And if we don't do that, we feel spiritually empty. Listen to this scripture in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11. This is going to blow you away. I hope it blows you away. If it doesn't, okay. God has made everything beautiful, beautiful for its own time. Catch this line. He has planted eternity in the human heart. We will never find fulfillment by feeding our soul temporary things. Whoa. Come on. You will never find fulfillment. Oh, if I can just have this house. Oh, man, if I could just have this car. Oh, if, if, if I could have this new set of golf clubs. Oh, if I have, I know this is going to improve my golf game. If I could just have, the, oh, that new 85-inch TV that there's, oh, if I can, it's curved and, and, it, and it's automatic, hooks up to the internet because I don't know how to do that. And it automatically does it for you. It's going to change my life. I'm going to find fulfillment. We're never going to find fulfillment in things that are temporary. Not when God has created you with eternity in your heart. The only way that you're ever going to find fulfillment is to find something that is eternal. That moves with you. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with any of those things. It's only if you have, what's wrong with those things is when your passion is towards those things instead of towards God. 
God has placed eternity in our hearts. Why? So that we would thirst and hunger after him. Think about that thought. How loving and kind your God is. To put something in your heart. To not just leave you. But just say, hey, I'm going to put this there. Because I want you to remember who you are. I'm putting eternity in your heart. God wants us to come home to his presence where we can spend eternity in heaven. Worship is what fills our passion for the eternal. Psalms 95 makes this statement. It says, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. We are the people he watches over, the flock under his care. If only, catch this line, if only you would listen to his voice today. To restore our passion, we need to spend time in God's presence. I might give a word today. I wasn't planning on this, but man, it just popped in my head. For some of you today, you need to listen to God's voice. He's trying to speak, but we don't listen close enough. Well, we just, we just shut it up. We, we go through the act. Slow down, breathe for a moment, and listen to God's voice. And watch what will happen. Passion will return into your life. I close with this last question. We've talked about controlling passion, restoring passion. Now I want to talk about directing your passion. Last week I shared about two passionate stories about King David, if you remember about King David's life. If you missed the message, go back to the podcast. The first story of passion was when David brought all of a sudden the Ark of the Covenant back into uh, the city of David, Jerusalem. It had been gone for quite some time. If you understand, the Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of God. And wherever the presence of God was, there was blessing. We need the presence of God. There was blessing, there was protection. And so King David decides it's time to bring the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem. And as he's bringing it back into Jerusalem, you find out that King David was passionate. It says that he was leaping and shouting and jumping because the presence of God was coming back into the city. He was passionate about what was taking place. He was excited about what was happening. The second story about the same man, King David, that I shared was regarding the passion when David was lusting after this woman named Bathsheba. She was a married woman. And he allowed his passion to turn into action and he ended up sleeping with a married woman. And it did not please God. And David somehow thought that he was going to hide all this by killing Bathsheba's husband, Uriah. Had him killed in battle. Both stories are filled with passion. But there's, I think we all would agree, there's a different, big difference between these two stories, right? Huge difference. The first story is David's passion about God's presence. The second story is that David's passion about his selfish desires. And it demonstrates to me, and I hope it demonstrates to you, how important it is for that, that we point our passion in the right direction. So then the question is this, Pastor Tom, how do we direct our passion? And I would pose to you this, through humility. Through humility. If you want to direct your passion, make sure you couple it with humility. God will use passion combined with humility. 
but God will not use passion that is combined with arrogance or pride. Passion mixed with pride will always damage others. It's why God opposes the proud and gives favor to the humble. We must direct our passion through humility. And Jesus is our greatest example of this. And today, and I, I need a communion cup if someone could bring that up to me real quick. Today we're going to, thank you, Allie. Today we're going to take communion together. And if you're watching us online, I hope you've got some emblems together so you could participate with us. Communion is a powerful time where we take um, time to recognize all that God has done in our lives. And I, I, want, I purposely put communion at the end of the message today because I felt like it just tied so closely together with our topic on passion. Because I want to share with you that Jesus is our greatest example of passion. He's the greatest example of passion through humility. Let me read you Philippians chapter 2 today. We're going to read verses 5 through 11. I just want you to listen to these powerful words. These are words about Jesus. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took on the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. Think about that. Sometimes we have a hard time grasping that thought that Jesus came down from heaven as a divine being. It's like you going back and being an ant. It's the only way I can maybe even think about it. Jesus literally came down from heaven as a divine being, as a person, uh, and then chose to come as a baby. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God, and he tied a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor, and he gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You want to talk about passion through humility? The passion that it took for Jesus to come to earth, put on flesh in the form of a baby, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and then to be falsely accused of all these terrible crimes and to die on a cross a criminal's death? You want to talk about humility? That's humility. And it was all because he was passionate for you and me and because he loves you. He loves me. What are you willing to do for others? It's time to put down our pride. It's time to put down our arrogance. It's time to embrace the passion that God has given us through humility. Let's make a difference. Just as Christ made a difference in your life, my life, guess what? Let's lead. Like Paul says, follow me as I'll follow Christ. Let's lead with a passion that, is, that comes through humility where lives can be changed and touched by the power of God. Passion. Passion. 
I want you to open up that first layer there. I want you to just grab the little wafer in there. Represents the body of Christ. Excuse me. Got passionate. Bread represents the body of Christ broken for you and for me. It's something that we couldn't do because we were filled with sin. Only a perfect Savior, Jesus Christ, can fulfill the requirement that God had. And so God the Father sent His Son, Jesus, to die for our sins. Not, not just some of your sins. All of your sins, past, present, and future. All we have to do is to believe in His righteousness and put our faith in Jesus Christ and choose to follow Him. It's not always easy. But when you're going down that road and you're thinking, man, I mean, this is so tough, I want you to remember the road that Jesus went down. The road that Christ walked. He walked it for us. I think we can do the same, amen? A lot less difficult than what Christ had to do. So Lord, we take this bread today, representing the broken, your broken body. Your word says that by your stripes, we are healed. And today, God, I pray for those who need healing. Maybe spiritually, maybe emotionally, maybe physically. If you're, if you're in this place and you need healing, I just encourage you to stand up right now. If you need healing physically, emotionally, spiritually, whatever it might be. If you need bro- be broken from addiction in your life, whatever it might be, humble yourselves before God and stand. Say, Lord, that's me. And I need to have that in my life. Lord, we take this today knowing, Lord God, that it represents your body broken for us you take with me and everybody just stand with me right now open up the last one if I can get it open inside this little container is juice but it represents the blood of Jesus Christ that was poured out for our salvation The Bible says that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Meaning there's no forgiveness of sin. And Jesus, there is no need to shed blood anymore. Because Jesus is ultimate. When his blood was shed, that was a sacrifice that took away the sins of the world once and for all. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. So we find forgiveness in this. I shared this before. I'll share it again today. A statement. I read it from a book out of Meyer Perlman. And I think it's from an old hymn as well. And it states that it is upon a life that I could not live. I couldn't live a perfect life. And it's upon a death that I could not die. I couldn't die for everybody's sins. That my salvation is secure. It is through Christ that my salvation is secure. So today, I encourage you to take this with me. And to put your trust in Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. Will you take with me? Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love. Lord, we are so grateful that we have relationship with you, the one true God. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. I pray for every person here today. 
those who might be struggling in whatever area of their life. I pray, Lord God, that we would learn how to surrender ourselves to you. And that, Lord God, passion would be restored once again in us. And for those who are struggling, Lord God, and want more passion in their life, I pray, God, as they submit themselves to you, God, you will restore those things in us. Lord God, let eternity in us be prevalent in everything that we do, in our worship, in our work, in everything we do, Lord God. Let us glorify you, I pray, in Jesus' name. And everyone said? God good? Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.